Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is August 7th, 2015. You are watching episode 22 of Tokyo on Fire. Today's burning issue is keeping Japan's secrets, spies and lies. The issue has become a burning issue because WikiLeaks just released one week ago a tranche of documents that indicates the United States has been spying on Japan for a considerable period of time, and this is not just on the surface, it actually goes in pretty deep. Last week, our burning issue was TPP, and this release of documents came out just as the TPP was going into the final round of negotiations. It's a really important issue. We'd like to delve deeper into it. Today, as usual, I'm joined with my co-conspirator, Michael Chuchek. Michael Chuchek is the author of the well-known blog, Shisaku, which covers Japanese politics. Michael Chuchek is adjunct fellow at Temple University's Institute of Contemporary Asian Studies. He is also adjunct professor at Sofia University, teaching budding young minds politics, international relations, and diplomacy. Welcome back, Michael. It's great to be back. Thank you. Today is a great issue. It's talking about state secrets and spies and lies, what's been going on internationally between the United States and Japan. It's really an explosive issue that was triggered by a release last week of WikiLeaks. It was really a surprise and it came at a really inconvenient time for the government. And while we generally have a sense in the modern world that people are listening in or could be listening in, the extent to which the United States government was listening to the very, very private conversations of people inside Japanese ministries and inside the uh, the ministry, not only the ministries, but also the Kante, the prime minister's residence, that this kind of spying was going on, and it was specifically with this prime minister, came at a, just an awful time and is caused a lot of ripples of, of, of real discontent and, and real anger. Well, last week we talked about TPP. We did a deep dive on TPP. We talked about the dynamics, how broad it was, who's involved in it, where they're holding their negotiations. It was in Hawaii, and the release of this document, or this, this tranche of documents, came at a particularly hard time, didn't it? It was right when they were supposed to be coming up with their final ideas. It looked as though the meeting was heading toward failure, but this mixture together of having this revelation coming out at the same time as they're trying to explain what's going on in terms of the negotiations made it for made for really bad television. So it came out on Friday. We we taped our episode last week on TPP on Friday. We uploaded it on Tuesday, mm -hmm. but the the tranche of documents from WikiLeaks came out on Friday. It hit Hawaii right at the close of Friday's business. They were going to go into negotiations until Saturday and Sunday, and probably wrap up then. No, they were just going. They were they were pretty much clear that whatever was going to happen, primarily in dairy products, which we were talking about last week, uh, was not going to happen. In in retrospect, the uh, WikiLeaks release may have had no effect whatsoever because it was already pretty much spiraling down. It was, it was spiraling down, but nevertheless, when you have to deal with at the press conference both of these issues, it obviously is going to taint the historical record. Mm -hmm. How did the impact take it in the Conte here? Well, here, the uh, initial reaction always has to be, oh yeah, yeah, we know, because mm -hmm. otherwise you look like you're not in control. But then when they got the sense that 
people were really upset that the United States was spying on the Japanese government at the very highest levels. The, the highest level being the, the personal secretary of the chief cabinet secretary, the man who basically runs the government here. That this kind of surveillance was going on of private communications by a, Japan's only military ally, there had to be some kind of reaction. Mm -hmm. And so it was arranged somehow diplomatically that U.S. Vice President Joe Biden would call Abe personally to apologize for what happened and say that it's not happening anymore. And Abe, according to the Chief Cabinet Secretary Suga, who is also the government's chief spokesman, said that in the private conversation, Abe, speaking to Joe Biden, said, look, this kind of thing can be extremely damaging to U.S.-Japan relations, and I'm glad to hear from you that it's not going to happen and that it hasn't been happening and that you're sorry for when it did happen in the past. Well, when it did happen, and, it, and the WikiLeaks people were really bright, they made sure to leak documents that came during Abe's first term in office mm -hmm. back in 2006, 2007, to make the point that the United States did not treat him with respect right. and did not treat his government with respect. So that had a, an essential problem there. Well, one can never be too careful. One can never be too careful. <clears throat> one can never be too careful. And, and when the first reaction that I got in the beginning of this week from a lot of people in Japanese government was, you know, we, we never discuss important things in our hotel rooms. We don't talk about them on our, our mobile phones. We sure. assume that there's some kind of surveillance going on, we we're, we're not we're not naive about this, mm -hmm. uh, and also there was a certain sense. Of, and sometimes we would just talk about things normally if the person who was in charge decided that secrecy wasn't such a big deal. So it really depended on the actual bureaucrats or politicians who were involved. Well, I think Tokyo has always been one of those hotbeds, and it's an easily accessible place for people who are friendly to the United States and those who are unfriendly to the United States. It, practically every country in the world has an embassy in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. It is a, it's a, a, uh, one of the centers of doing business and, and uh, politics. It's a, a center for um, you know, receiving and distributing aid to countries for, for national development, for economic development and that sort of thing. And Tokyo has always been a hot spot for spies to come in. I mean. Uh, it's the, a nice place to live, first of all. Right. And secondly, you're right. It has so many different embassies, so many different international organizations that are not watched in the same way that they're watched in the United right. States. So that there is a great deal more possibility for information flow and information gathering. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that LDP politicians gave for the passage in 2013 of the Special Designated Secrets Act which has been so controversial and still is, uh, that was predicated on this image of Japan is a paradise for spies. Mm -hmm. Tokyo is a paradise for spies. And a lot of <clears throat> politicians use that set phrase mm -hmm. as the excuse for the need for this legislation. Right. Let's backtrack just a tiny bit and talk about the reaction here in Tokyo of the release of WikiLeaks, the, the impact that it had. And the interesting thing about what it is that we're doing here on Tokyo on Fire is we try and, I mean, there are several themes that just keep rolling uh, through our discussions. And one of them is the political atmosphere in the diet right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, currently, 
uh, the prime minister and members of his cabinet are on the hot seat. They've extended the hours where they can be questioned by the opposition, and now this comes up, and they are using every tool in the toolbox to hit whoever it is is turned to be uh, questioned with everything they can they can come up with. If you are an LDP member, if you are just a, a rank and file member of the parliament in the upper house or the lower house, and you're doing anything that somebody might take um, a dislike of, you're in you're in one of the uh, shukanshi or the the weekly um, magazines as if you've created some sort of horrible uh, uh, violation of, of social rules. Well, the, certainly the idea of surveillance of people and the way that you disseminate private information is a completely different environment here than you would assume that exists in the United States, particularly where it applies to uh, politicians. Here, anyone's game, you, you, it's very hard to keep secrets about mm -hmm. yourself. Uh, there are certain protections you have in the courts, but generally, you're, you're generally, it, it's, a, it's open season on you. And what can be printed doesn't necessarily have to be entirely true either. Right. Uh, so there's this atmosphere in Tokyo always of information that should be private or should be secret being disseminated. That's what made the, that's makes this particular incident both uh, painful and yet somewhat blasé. Mm -hmm. You know, the reaction is sort of, yeah, but you know, uh, information is something that. You, you can't hang on to right uh, and that I, I there's a lot of that that you get out of this because when you look at the list of targets that WikiLeaks uh, released in this in this small press release that they did they must have much more stuff available uh, the, the the list of the targets is inside the Conte the prime minister's residence inside the fi finance ministry I mean, number after number in the finance ministry, in their monetary section, in, in all kinds of different sections. And then the Ministry of, of Industry, and then the large trading companies, Mitsui and Mitsubishi, uh, numbers inside there. This is, this is clearly industrial espionage on a big scale in order to collect information. They also had information from the Ministry of Agriculture, ministry, information from inside the Ministry of foreign affairs and finance, and then they were I mean, just it goes. It, it goes. They're all over the place, uh, which shows that they're all part of an information sharing network within Tokyo. They just didn't know that it was open to mm -hmm. the outside world, and in this case, the United States intelligence community. Well, I think the prime minister's response initially was a little bit lukewarm. He was hoping that it would just kind of blow over. It's not going to blow over, and it's not an issue that has short legs. It's got long legs, in my view. I think it'll it'll continue to tumble, and it's interesting that WikiLeaks said that this is a tranche. You know, it's it's the first of several. I mean, that's what the suggest the that's what the language suggests. So there's probably more coming out, and and the depth of the information, even though it was a, a rather short release, and and it's and it's, and they're kind of funny things like cherry exports and things like that. Right. But nevertheless, yeah, yes, the 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 what they have means that they've got their fingers and their or their ears, I guess, in everything. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, um, about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when I first came to Tokyo, I worked in, in, uh, in Kasumi Gaseki. Mm -hmm. And at that time, if, if you weren't assigned to an embassy, it was very rare for you to see any foreigners walking around Kasumi Gaseki, or particularly in the, in the diet compound. And at that time, I think the general atmosphere was if you're a foreigner walking around those areas, you kind of are 
intelligence gathering. That doesn't mean that you are a spy. You are gathering intelligence. You are trying to feed information to help your side, maybe your company, but more likely your, your embassy, your diplomatic mission. And uh, over time, that has become more relaxed. More people are becoming involved in the political process or at least in, in gathering information. It's seen as something that's not illicit. It's kind of okay. It's cool. You are practicing diplomacy either for your company or for your, your embassy. And it's not, it's not, I mean, it used to be really, really suspicious. And it used to really hinder uh, somebody like us who, who are commenting on this and, and delving into it to really keep on top of it and learn what's going on. That it's true. You have to have some kind of intelligence capability. And even Japan, where there is still memories, strong memories, of the terrible things that the military police forces did in World War II, and we have to say right now that we are right in the middle of the heart of the commemorations of the end of World War II, we just had yesterday the 70th anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima. Tomorrow we'll have the anniversary of the bombing of Nagasaki. So we're right in the midst of all these final things. The intelligence community has never actually been completely resurrected. We have the self-defense forces, which are something of a, a military force. But the intelligence community that existed in the pre-war era was completely disassembled. Mm -hmm. And we do have about here in Tokyo, about 4,400 people whom you could say work in intelligence. They're split up in all kinds of different agencies. There's talk now, or at least there was around a few months back, of establishing some kind of overriding. NSA kind, kind of, of well, type agency? Yeah, or MI6 is what, <clears throat> what they were talking about. And they said, we're going to go and look at the British system, and then we'll come back in the fall, perhaps with a proposal. But currently, they're split up into all kinds of different areas. The Justice Ministry has its intelligence branch. Mm -hmm. The National Police Agency has its intelligence branch. Ministry of Foreign Affairs, mm -hmm. its intelligence. Defense has its own. And even the, the Conte, the Nikak, who the, uh, the, the prime minister, has his intelligence research office. Right. So, but they're all separated, and they're, it's not a unified CIA kind of right. or, or national director of national intelligence kind of system at all mm -hmm. here. So that information is not controlled, and it is not shared necessarily. It, it's researched, it's done here, but this aspect of having an allied country come in, and you have to wonder, okay. They had so many different in, uh, intercept points inside the Ministry of Finance. They had to have had some physical way of getting in. You talk about walking around the ministry. Mm -hmm. They had to be somehow get a physical pipe in there somehow to get the information that they had out. And that, that this is possibility is, is everywhere. Mm -hmm. It really asks the question, who provides the in for mm -hmm. them? Obviously, it's not the Japanese government saying, yes, come in and tap our phones. Well, then who did? Well, who knows? I mean, um, it, it never used to be so sinister. I mean, there is a legitimate reason why any country wants to collect intelligence and information and store that intelligence and analyze that for whatever purposes. I mean, that's legitimate. And only recently has it become really, really sinister. And I think that's because the pace of technology has gone so quickly, it's, it's, it's gone far more rapidly than our ability to kind of absorb it intellectually. 
So I grew up in Okinawa, oh, okay. where the SR-71, the Blackbirds, and the later version was called the Habu, were stationed for runs uh, not only to Vietnam and, and Hanoi and, mm. and places like that, even over the, the Soviet Union, but they were based in Okinawa. We could see them as kids growing up, taking off. That technology was so far advanced and so secret that um, even, uh, even today, it, it remains one of the fastest military um, uh, planes in the arsenal. Yes, well, it's never been surpassed, yeah. Right, so, so similarly, what I'm trying to say is, we think that maybe there needs to be a connection, there needs to be a pipe that's established, but I think that probably the technology is far beyond what what mortal beings are able to really kind of figure, this, the, the, the vacuuming of big data and, and the, the way, the tools that they can use to analyze and to figure out things, I think is, is really, whoa, way into the future. Your, your mention of the word vacuuming brings up the entire interesting background to all of this. Okay, so Abe is not the first leader that has been targeted, or his, the people around him. We had the targeting of the phone calls of Angela Merkel right. in Germany, of Francois Hollande in France, and the, the president of, of Brazil. That the United States has, in a, in a series of apologies, had to say, sorry we did that, sorry we did that, sorry we did that. Uh, this, all of this came about, and it has a very strong Japan angle, from the revelations of Ed, Edward Snowden, who really got his start here in Japan. That's right. right. He came over as a, a contractor with Dell. With Dell Computer. And right. he, they were assigned to the NSA office in Japan. Now. I don't, I know that if I ask uh, information or try to Google it, where is the NSA office in Japan, nothing comes up. Right. But there is a, obviously an NSA place here mm -hmm. where he was state, where he was working as a contractor. And one has to think that that place is where this vacuuming happens mm -hmm. or it's where it's arranged or, and there has to be somebody who uh, cooperates in some way with this Jap with this American entity. So there has to be some kind of Japanese angle to it, and that has not come out at all. What's the connection between Edward Snowden and WikiLeaks? Is there no? Is there any connection whatsoever? Well, it's only Assange, that, it's, it, it's only that he was the one who he and blew the, he, who blew, blew the whistle on the other leaders being uh, spied upon, and the WikiLeaks information is being provided uh, that in such a way that it, it, it's clearly linked, uh, at least as a news item, mm -hmm. with the spying on other leaders. Again, the United States has the capacity to do these things, but should it has been the question. Right. And in the case of, of Japan, it's extremely painful because J the United States is the only military ally. There are some more recent developments in terms of relationships with military relationships with the UK and more importantly Australia but nevertheless you're being spied upon by the person whom you're trusting as your big brother right and and that's the relationship and and you say gosh you know we all we, you have bases here you 50,000 of your citizens live here why would you do this to us? Right, all of your, your major companies are, are here. Have, you can you, have, right. you can do free trade. Why 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 would you do this to us? So let's talk about WikiLeaks and why they would do that. What is the purpose behind not just releasing this tranche on Friday of last week, mm -hmm. but also to be involved in kind of 
rubbing the United States' nose into the dirt and saying, you know, look at this mess that you've created and everybody, you should see what the United States is doing. They are not the pinnacle of freedom that you thought they were. Well, okay, there, there's always that. There's just to be an incredibly uh, cynical and sarcastic organization. But you have to admit, there's a, a weird and, and, and slightly racist uh, hierarchy in terms of United States intelligence sharing. Now, there's this group called the Five Eyes, mm -hmm. which is the United States, Canada, England, New Zealand, and Australia. And the Five Eyes share information on an equal basis. There's all English speaking, all you know, majority Caucasian for now mm -hmm. um, countries. Uh, and the Five Eyes countries received as a generalized report, this information that was called from Japanese intercepts, mm -hmm. that this that there are two tiers inside American allies. There are these English-speaking people whom we get along with, and then there are you Germans and you French and you Japanese whom we mm -hmm. spy on. Right. That is what's really corrosive here, I right. think. Well, it really goes far deeper than that. I mean. What about the Rainbow Warrior in uh, in New Zealand and the spying that was going on there with the the dynamiting of that ship? That's right. Well, the, the the intelligence services, when given the chance to do something, and frequently political leaders say, "Go do something," mm -hmm. they eventually do, and then eventually embarrass the government involved. Mm -hmm. But in this case, what we have to think about is Japan has been trying very hard to lift itself up in terms of its availability or its 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 let's say diplomacy it, it's, it's, it's no in terms standing? of it's in standing with the yeah. united states as an intelligence sharer right first it tried in 2012 to establish the special intelligence relationship with south korea which the south koreans backed out of an hour before the treaty was going to be signed it's called a, a uh, general security of military information agreement a gsomia uh, that was about to be signed between the two governments, and then the two governments would be able to approach the United States and say, look, we're, we're sharing information. We can have a more robust intelligence sharing community here in East Asia. Mm -hmm. That fell through. Then in 2013, the Abe administration, in order to be able, the, this is the explanation that they gave for this special designated secrets act. We have to be better at protecting secrets so we can get intelligence from the United mm -hmm. States. It's kind of a, a opening the kimono and we share each other's information and to the degree that you share yours, we also share ours. Right, so we'll share ours, but in this case, in the, in the special designated secrets act, they had to really clamp down on basic rights in Japan, or at least of the right of the people to have some kind of ability to oversee their government mm -hmm. in order to become better partners for this sharing of information kimono to kimono thing. Right. And what comes out of this is that the United States doesn't consider us partners, mm. doesn't consider us equals, and consider us, considers us outsiders, and that the other four members of the Five Eyes, they're the insiders. Mm -hmm. And this is not in terms of security. Right. This is in terms of negotiations having to do with climate change, mm -hmm. with cherry prices. What, what is going on right. here, okay? Sure. Every member, every person who works for a, uh, a large trading house like Mitsui or Mitsubishi or Itochu, they know 
don't use your, your cell phone because someone's going to be listening in. They, they know all, they have intelligence practices based on industrial espionage, stealing of economic secrets. But this is, you know, government to government in terms of economic secrets. This, this is really something that it's only starting and it's going to snowball, I'm sure. It, it could be said, taking that just a little bit further, it could be said that I think the general acknowledgement that technology is leaping far, far more rapidly than we have ever experienced in the past. I mean, it is going by leaps and bounds. That, in fact, our, our capacity to absorb intelligence and gather intelligence has really exploded. And they have these huge, huge fields of computers and storage uh, facilities in the United States and probably here in, in Japan as well, where they, they take this data, this metadata, and even though they might not be quite ready to use it or know how to use it, the tools haven't been developed, but they are accessing it and well, there's and at least storing it. it. Yeah, right. they're storing the information. How is it going to be used? They're not saying. Uh, they say it will be done judiciously. Mm -hmm. Well, we've seen we've seen tools that take you know metadata and they do special things. For example, heat sensors through through Tokyo, so that you can see the effect of of the the heat bubble. As, as the the wind carries the air-conditioned heat and the car heat mm -hmm, right. uh, through the city. And it's, and it's very interesting that wasn't really available to us. I mean, it takes like massive uh, crunching ability to produce that. But now some of these things, I mean, for example, even uh, they develop large parking lots and they can tell how many products, what kind of products are going to be purchased just by the flow and ebb and the color of the cars and the number of people in those cars. It's, it's really astounding. Well, yeah, the, the data analysis capacity is there. But the fundamental issue when you're trying to work on international relations is, do I trust the person I'm sitting down with? Mm -hmm. It's still very human to human. It's not machine to machine. And for one side to be able to say, you know, you may be a gentleman towards me, but I'm not a gentleman towards mm -hmm. you. Uh, and that's too bad because my country's bigger than yours. That's kind of the subliminal signal here. That's the signal here. Yes, it is. Uh, and and that, there had to be a human apology with, with Vice President Biden mm -hmm. saying, sorry, we did this. Because the fundamental principle is gentlemen don't open other gentlemen's mail. Right. But in this case, the U.S. did. Mm -hmm. And did so in a broad-based fashion across, you know, and targeting folks who can really, really take offense and really, really gum up the works. It's not like they're taking all kinds of everyone's telephone calls and putting them in storage. It's actually going and taking the telephone calls Targeted. of the person who's in charge of monetary policy inside the finance ministry, who mm -hmm. is, in complete, is in constant talk with the, the BOJ counterpart taking that Japanese conversation, translating it, and then analyzing it, and then dispersing it to intelligence agencies around the world of a certain, of a certain level. Mm -hmm. That's real aggressive, in, aggressive in, invasive, invasive behavior. Yes, it is. Okay? And boy, the Abe administration has, has a really, really delicate position here. It doesn't want to appear naive and stupid, like, you know, the technology's there. Of course it's going to happen. At the same time, at what point do you begin to think, okay, what's, 
there's, there's an ashtray on the table. I better check underneath right. the ashtray. Or, where you become completely paranoid about security issues. Mm -hmm. And then when Abe meets, meets uh, Obama, do they have to say anything? I know what you're going right. to say because I read your mail. <laughs> right. So, you know, I don't even need the translator. She can go. Well, that I think it's... Of, that kind of, of, of thinking can go through your head and can ruin all kinds of relationships. Well, I think it goes through people's heads now, but they just kind of shut it down or put it away. These technologies, these devices are so ubiquitous. They're everywhere. They're sitting on our desk. They're in our, our hands. We use them all the time and we've become accustomed to them. Even the iPhone, it's got a camera on the front, it's got a camera on the back. Through back doors, it can be turned on at any time. That's been proven. There have been court cases on that. They can watch who is, who is making these phone calls. And your phone organizes your, your photos according to when you took them, where you were. It has mm -hmm. the GPS. Yeah. I, right. I, yeah. And, and you don't even ask it to do that. That's right. I it mean, does it for you and you really freak out. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Admit so, it. Okay. I admit uh, that. Right. But nevertheless... This aspect of international relations is so fundamental, the idea of, of exclusivity and mm -hmm. trust. Why have a summit? Right. You know, why go to, the, uh, go to the ARF or to the APEC summit if everybody's got the, the goods on everybody else? What's the point of that? You know, and if I can't talk to you in a sense, as we're talking here, person to person, where I have to think constantly that there's someone else, a third person in the room listening in. That's just, it, it's just deeply, deeply distressing, I think. Well, it, it, it could be that we are at the apex of, you know, the development of diplomacy nation to nation. I mean, it could be that, yes, this, this movement towards a, a global unitary body, uh, the EC doesn't seem to have really solved that, that, that solution or provided that solution, yeah, yeah. And, and there are a lot of problems with that, but there is also a big push for, you know, global government, you know, a unitary currency, these kinds of ideas, because what we're doing right now, it is rather inefficient, and it produces problems that are just somewhat intractable. But this idea that there's some kind of future unified information all the time at your fingertips, uh, everything's equal kind of I don't know what you call a technotopia, if you want to call it that. That's been promised, and that it's going to be someplace where everybody's equal, mm -hmm. and that everybody will have equal access. But that's that's proven so that's proven to be nonsense. Well, I don't know the, if that's nonsense. I think that there are people here who do live in that kind of atmosphere and do enjoy those kinds of benefits. A very small circle, but I think that there, there is a, a, an elite group that has that benefit. Jimmy Carter went on, on record just last week and talked about democracy in America and how, how the, the political process has been usurped and how freedom is no longer distributed evenly among people who live in the United States. And this was a, a bombshell. I mean, I, whatever you might think about Jimmy Carter, for a former president to make a statement like that, it is almost as powerful as Dwight D. Eisenhower making his closing statement when he finished his presidency. And he said, watch out for this military technological elite. Yeah, that's true. And, and okay. We live in a world of, of high-tech. We live in a world of constant communication. We live in a world of communications that can be intercepted. Accept that. Mm -hmm. Okay? But here, it's not... For, for what's 
the government's going through right now, it has to have some kind of statement on this kind of technology, this kind of behavior, because not everyone, but a lot of people are tying the bits and pieces together. The Mayanichi Shinbun and the Asahi Shinbun immediately started talking about the Special Designated Secrets Act and the United States behavior and the Abe administration's very lukewarm response and saying, look, and in case of the Mayanichi said, look, where is your rage? Where is your anger yes. at being violated? Oh, you're so angry when the, when the Chinese ships come and sail nearby, but someone's listening to your phone calls and you're suddenly okay? Yes. Where is, uh, your, where is your anger, where is your boy? Right. And that's, that's something that he's going to have to deal with because that feeds immediately into the discussions that are still ongoing on the security legislation. Right. That, okay, they, they've been talking about other issues the past few days, particularly the breakdown of the TPP talks. The opposition has just been saying, Look, you fed us all a line that it was you all going to... You should have known this beforehand. Why did known? you even get engaged? That's right. Why did you... What, you should have known that it was not going to come through at the, in, in the Maui talks. We want more butter. Yes. We, that's, and you didn't deliver it. Right. And you came off looking like pro, you were promising everything. You were, the, you were saying everything's going to be fine. We're going to get this done. And you didn't. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're, that kind of attitude and that kind of questioning is going on right now in the diet. Well, the atmosphere in the diet now is rather rare. It's, I mean, he's, he's at a very difficult point right now. They have not passed the bills that are up for um, review in the upper house. He's also got his election coming up in late September. Yeah, and he's, the, the question of how we're going to deal with the Olympics is up in, in the air as well. All of these different issues have come crashing together into a very hot summer, yes. and it is a hot summer in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. The issue of climate change, the issue of starting nuclear reactors has become yep. very, very realistic and very, very present because it's now been, what, eight days in a row that we've had temperatures over 35 degrees here in mm -hmm. Tokyo, which has never happened in history. It's a hot summer politically, it's a hot summer physically, and unless there's some kind of break, mm -hmm. And this new revelation isn't that break. It's making things worse. So what do you think? What are the consequences of this initial leak that we've received last week? Because it, it'll probably tumble into a, a, a second or maybe even a third tranche. Well, it depends on where the issue goes. The issue, I think for me, and maybe I'm completely off base, is who or what is the Japanese organization that cooperates with the NSA. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like the situation in the United States where the National Security Agency's activities are okayed by some court right. and a, a local provider. Or maybe an executive order. Right, or a local provider has to open up its data center to the NSA. Here, it's a foreign entity. Mm -hmm. Some, at least that's the way it should be. The, yes, American companies have a small presence here, but here, they're local domestic providers. How does the NSA get into that system? Mm -hmm. Under what guise, under what program? That nobody has begun talking about. And when people start putting together the pieces and say, but how did they, right. you know, how did they intercept? Did they have a van parked outside mm -hmm. the whole time? I don't think so. Right. Not especially with the anti-terrorism uh, activities that are supposed to be going on, keeping traffic moving. You can't stay here. You can't be here. How do they do it? Mm -hmm. And at that point, that's the second domino, and that's going to lead to some real repercussions. 
one of the reasons there's this conflict that normal people feel, I believe, is because there's an assumption that we live in a democracy here in Japan and also in the United States. And there is also another assumption that we live under a rule of law. And I think both of those assumptions are not accurate. And the fact that Jimmy Carter laid it on the table just last week, I thought was really damning evidence. In this case, the issue of surveillance is seen as both benign and also malignant. In the benign sense, we have security cameras everywhere. England does this in a very, very formal way. Here in Japan, it's basically because there are so many businesses that have security cameras outside them. We have a, what is essentially a national net. Mm -hmm. So that it's very hard nowadays for criminals to escape being taken well, you in. You see it on TV every once in a while where this video was captured from a 7-Eleven and uh, the fellow's driving by on his bicycle. Yeah, and we had an example over the weekend of a person, who, of a, a young woman who was murdered in, in Kanagawa Prefecture. The, the suspect was picked up within hours based on security cameras, mm -hmm. either at the train station that they got off, whatever. It was all, it's all very fast and it's all very organized now. So that there's a sense that surveillance provides a personal security. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, that, that part is okay. At the same time, there is an absolute freak out over leaks of information. Not just leaks from the government, but in the case of the pension information. Right. Remember, we had in sure. the spring the, the controversy of someone hacking into the pension agency and taking out personal information and the fear about the My Number system, right. which is going to take all these separate pieces of information that currently in Japan float about, which have no connection to, to each other, because there has not been until now a, an equivalent of the social security so, number, so that you couldn't know what, if a person dies and doesn't have a list of their assets, finding out where all their assets are has been a major industry mm -hmm. in Japan and a lot of things are just, we don't know who owns it. Right. When that all gets tied together by the my number system, all that kind of behavior is going to be controlled. And guess what? People are absolutely paranoid about my right. number. They are just, they say, what if somebody gets my number? Mm -hmm. what, if, what, what if my number is, is, is leaked like the pension information was leaked? Th there's, there's this ambivalence about it. Right. Or if, if not ambivalence, maybe it's even a collision between the sense of surveillance versus leakage. We haven't even talked about that, and I think it probably goes beyond what our burning issue is today, but recently there's, there have been so many hacking incidents, and there are a lot of them that just don't go reported, or maybe even they're going ongoing now, we don't know about them. But apparently, Japan is under attack, probably not by the United States, but by one of the other Asian neighbors. Um, or Russia, or any place which has people who know, who know some math. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> you know, this is, this is the, the idea of security here is, is, is both laughable mm -hmm. and, and also extremely enervated. Right. So that they're going to have losses. And so it, the, the dynamic of talking about secrecy and the dynamic of talking about secrets in, in Tokyo now is an amalgam of all these different mm -hmm. ideas going in. And the primary issue is for the citizens, am I going to be protected? And right. this story says not even the prime minister right. is protected. That's the deal. This 
conversation can't be complete unless we get into just a little bit about the state secrets law that was recently passed mm -hmm. and also the chilling effect that that has on a lot of things, a lot of the burning issues that we've talked about in the past mm -hmm. about press freedom, about freedom of information and that sort of thing. Can we get into that just a little bit? The new law makes gives 10-year penalties, whereas before there were three or less, for the leakage of information that is designated a designated special secret. Mm -hmm. And the people who can designate it is a vast number of folks in all the ministries. It's not as though only the defense ministry is protecting defense secrets. All kinds of things can be, there are, there are numerous categories of things that can be designated as secrets. And the sense is that, okay, that means that no information, even information of you know, the government's malfeasance or even illegal behavior will ever be leaked because mm -hmm. there's a 10 year penalty, not only on the bureaucrat or the politician who leaks it. The deep throat. Yeah, but also on the reporter who reports it. Mm -hmm. They are equally liable and they can, go for, they can be put away for 10 years as well. This of course means that what, what, what kind of investigative reporting can you have mm -hmm. if even misbehavior by the government is going to possibly put you in jail for 10 years, which in Japan is a basically a death sentence, right. career-wise, et cetera. You're not, there's nothing you can do with your life afterwards. Who would take the risk? Mm -hmm. It's impossible to think that anyone would ever be a whistleblower. Right. And that's what the press has been yelling about and every single press organization, even the right-wing hard defense groups like the Sankei Shinbun news groups, they're dead set against the right. Designated Secrets Act. And the government just said, we have the votes, it's passed. It's passed, it's, it is now the law. It is now the law. Right. And, but the thing is, people haven't given up on it. Mm -hmm. They don't give up on talking about it, and this brings it up again. Right. You know, we, we, we need to have a Freedom of Information Act. We need to have one that is robust, that will allow us to have a functioning democracy. You talk about the death of democracy. That's what they're talking about mm -hmm. in terms of the Designated Secrets right. Act. We talked just a little bit about the, the chilling effect, and we've, we've mentioned that before. I guess it might be somewhat similar to the United States trying to quell terrorism. So in order to catch terrorists and in order to find them out before they can do their dirty deeds, we have to pass a law, we have to be able to surveil people, and that has been used as a bludgeon to develop information, to, to source information, to vacuum information, to analyze it, even among people who are U.S. citizens, they don't have any, any history of, of terrorism or something like that. And it appears that the, that the Japanese are watching that and saying, we can get away with an awful lot. We don't have to have a Patriots Act, mm -hmm. but we could have an act about state secrets to protect us. We are in the government and we can define, even preemptively, what is a state secret to shut you up and to you know, quell the investigation into our nefarious. Yeah, there's, there's never, you'll, you'll never lose any money if you bet that the Japanese government's going to imitate what the U.S. government is doing. Mm -hmm. You'll never lose money on that bet. And in this case, you're right. The, mm -hmm. the, Japan has data centers too. Japan has big communications giants too. And it has very compliant members of the government who are willing to stamp on and say yes. And it has an even weaker court system mm -hmm. than the United That's States true. that will okay almost anything that the executive wants to do. 
And sure. Or people will just give up. I mean, they don't allow for uh, collective uh, uh, offenses to uh, violations of personal rights as they do in the United States. No, so no. you have to champion it on your own and maybe have a lot of supporters to, to bring a court case you know, to the forefront. It's going to be really difficult. So that the, the, the Japanese behavior up until now has been very passive mm -hmm. as regards information. And spying is, okay, you do it, but it's not honorable. If the United States is let off the hook in this instance, it becomes everybody's modus operandi. It's okay. The, the, the water level has been raised. Yeah, and that's, that's the issue here. Mm -hmm. it, so much in Japan is based on what, I mean, I'm going to toss out a phrase, atari mai. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just the way things are, mm -hmm. the way you do things. And, okay, we, we don't completely take in all of the information that we could from other people because we are all in this small little country and we all have to live with each other. If, you know, the U.S. is not bound and held responsible for its behavior, then the, rules, the rule book is off. Yeah. Let's wrap this up with a prediction. What do you think is going to happen with this latest tranche from WikiLeaks? And do you think there will be a second, perhaps a third? And what do you think the impact? What is the design of, of this? I mean, there, there's really a motivation behind that. We haven't quite figured it out. We can guess at it. But what do you think? Uh, WikiLeaks is going to come up with a, a second tranche? It'll come up with a second. I don't know if it, how much information it really has and how interesting it will be. Uh, it, it has to make it as sexy as possible. and it'll, it'll Better than the first. It has to be, be something. And mm -hmm. the thing is, is of course, that Japan is a generally r rather innocuous place. So it's not as though they're going to be able to uncover something really nefarious. It'll be something mm -hmm. like, you know, cherries. Uh, <laughs> the... the uh, the, what, whether it will have legs or not really depends a lot about on, on the, the fate of the Abe administration. Mm -hmm. If Abe-san carries on and goes through after the election in September, my prediction is, is that the opposition will start using the information that's used provided by WikiLeaks as one more way to try to beat back and beat down this electoral monopoly that the LDP has built and that Mr. Abe is is feeding off of, mm -hmm. that they'll try any weapon that's they'll put that's given into their hands, mm. and that's what that's going to happen. If, however, there's some kind of real knockdown of Abe, tactics may change. Well, that's right, and like you said, it's going to be a hot summer. There are a couple of critical events coming up in the next couple of weeks, leading up to the prime minister's re-election. We expect that he will go unopposed, but a lot can happen in the next six or eight weeks. And it was really interesting in terms of the upper house consideration of the security legislation when Mr. Isozaki, the member of Mr. Abe's staff, who said, who cares if the law is constitutional or not? There's it, flexibility. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's constitutionally stable or not, as long as it protects the country. He had to talk that back, and, and this week in, in the diet, that had was, to apologize. That was so dramatic. The fact that the, uh, the head of the committee absolutely, who is an LDP member, absolutely crushed the guy saying, this body, this House of Counselors is not a rubber stamp. Mm -hmm. 
we are here to investigate and check on this legislation. And for you to say, we should just pass the legislation and just let it go, that is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. To see that level of resistance suddenly appear within the LDP to the Abe administration was very dramatic. Well, I think there's a, a bit of, of tiring of the arrogance that is um, displayed by uh, the prime minister, as we saw when he spoke to both houses of the United States Congress, predicting, not predicting, promising that the national diet would obey his, his, uh, his, his will. And that it would pass the legislation and that everything was all done. Right. Yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, well, you're absolutely right, Michael. This is going to be a hot summer. Please stay tuned to Tokyo on Fire. We delve into these issues, we examine them, and we invite you to provide comments and to participate in this discussion. You can do this in several ways. You can add your comments in the dialogue box on YouTube. You can also download this podcast on iTunes. You can provide your comments to us at comments at tokyoonfire.com. Alternatively, you can provide comments to us on Twitter using hashtag tokyoonfire. Thank you very much for watching. Please tell your friends about it. Hit your subscribe button. Incidentally, next week is Obon Holiday. We'll be taking a week off. My name is Timothy Langley. Thank you very much for watching. See you next time.